For sleep's sake, assisting you with babies, toddlers, and children's safe sleep and settling. Hello and welcome to For Sleep's Sake. This series has been developed to assist you when it comes to babies, toddlers, and children's safe sleep and settling. The world of baby and toddler sleep can be baffling with sleep patterns changing frequently. The good news is that most changes are normal and that there are many health professionals and educators who can assist you. The old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, is so true. And today on the show, we'll be discussing some of the most common sleep challenges that occur in childcare with Cindy Davenport and Natasha Kirkes. Cindy, a registered midwife, maternal and child health nurse, and the director of Turnity Group, the company behind some of Australia's most recognised brands in the antenatal and early parenting education space, which includes Safe Sleep Space, Sleep Smart, and Nourish Baby. Cindy is passionate about the health and well-being of families and offers a sensible, response-based approach to help babies and children with sleep problems. I'm also delighted to welcome Natasha Kirkes. Area Manager for Petite Early Learning. Natasha manages many centres Australia-wide and is integral in assisting educators and parents around this common theme of safe sleep and settling. Welcome to the show, Cindy and Natasha. Cindy, tell us a bit about the common sleep and settling challenges you see in infants and toddlers. When it comes to the common sleep and settling issues, they are very similar across, well, across the world really. And for parents, particularly when they're making the transition in having their child in uh, childcare or in the early year settings, sometimes this can be a little bit more exacerbated. So some of the sleep and settling common issues that we see generally for infants and toddlers are the difficulties in getting them to sleep, difficulties in keeping them asleep, or they're waking frequently, or they're not settling because of a sleep association. And often, as we've covered in the um, earlier podcasts, we'll see that some of these will be heightened at different stages. And so when uh, one of our little ones goes into uh, care or is in a, in a childcare setting, we often will see an exacerbation of the, of the sleep and settling. It's really key for parents to understand this so they can almost anticipate it. They can set some time aside. They can also make, you know, the, don't put the pressure on themselves as much and uh, generally also um, in our early years setting our beautiful educators are so well trained in these areas and this is where some of our programs assist and help collaborate and work with our parents. So we're going to cover off here really the sleep and settling challenges that are heightened when our um, little ones go into care but certainly for parents they will see a number of these and generally once a child is settled into their setting, things will generally remain okay. Perhaps there's some hiccups along the way, but the beautiful educators who are looking after the children, the toddlers and infants and preschoolers, know exactly what to do and how to manage and, and respond to parent questions. And so I think often what we find too is that um, sleep looks different in childcare than it does at home. So parents will often say, you know, oh, they sleep better here at childcare or they're not sleeping as well now or patterns are, are, um, are different. And I, I think, Natasha, you'd probably see that quite a lot and, and particularly across the, uh, the, the petite and the harmony centres, you get a range of different ages and stages. So perhaps um, how do you see the childcare, the sleep looking in, in different for them, for parents so we can help them? Yes, yeah, so absolutely. You know, the sleep environment that we 
um, have within the home environment and the childcare environment can be quite different, um, namely being the number of children that will be settling for rest and sleep yeah. at the same time. Um, and also when you consider the environment, you know, the number of, say, cots in a sleep room or where what that sleep room looks like, mm-hmm. um, elements such as the environment, whether there's, you know, adequate lighting, the music. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, you know, catering for different temperaments um, amongst the children as well and settling in within their needs. So there's definitely quite a difference between the sleep environments, between home and, um, and in the childcare environment. Yeah, and I think what you've touched on is is an um, amazing part, really, because when parents will settle children home, they're settling one child. Well, for ourselves in education and care and in our settings, you know, if it's in long day care or family day care or, you know, across um, our early years uh, services and into the um, even some of the, the, the preschool parts, Children are really the ratios that the educators look after are according to safety levels. So, for example, you know across Australia here, and it is um, similar around the world. The ratios, if you're if you have in an infant room, is like one to four. So you're not just settling one child; you're settling multiple children. And and as you say, um, what we often find is questions coming around from the different temperaments. So That's those correct. four of those children will all have a different temperament and how do we prepare and settle a couple of those children as opposed to the others and make sure that the environment is still safe and still very secure children and at the end of the day that they're meeting their sleep and their rest needs and um, very much I you know I admire and um, all the services who are, are very like yourselves at Patege very invested in ensuring that their staff are well trained in ensuring that they know the settling strategies and the safe sleeping and we'll talk a little bit more about that that later I think also as you said like there's different noise levels parents Absolutely. will say at home you yes know. so you know obviously you know the, the one child at home within their, their sleep room were probably quiet um, and, you know, catering for three or four children at a time, you know, different sort of settling routines um, in how they do respond. So that noise is usually probably the biggest difference um, between home and care setting. And I think also a safety issue is something that um, for parents we really always want to reassure them because, you know, they they are very tired often. They're going to work and they select or they choose. We know that the research shows us that parents choose their early education and care settings and they base a one, of, one of the questions um, around sleep. You know, they'll often say, how does my child sleep? It's important. I don't want them overtired at the end of the day and then they're up all night for me. So for parents, they very much do often choose the setting that they want their child to be in. They'll choose their their services or their centres based around the sleep needs and they'll often ask for a little tour and I guess that that's where we can show them that you know there is a bit of a difference and I think what we've also seen as well working in um, conjunction with many of the early years services and yourselves Natasha is is that um, educators do a fantastic job on induction. So when babies and children, especially beginning of the year, when they enrol, really having great conversations around how does your child sleep at home and how can we understand what that looks like so we can work with you and there's not these mixed messages. And um, really, I think the key, as you'd, you'd, you'd probably comment here, is around that, that collaboration, those wonderful conversations all the time with parents, making sure that the sleep is is met at home as well as at care. 
Yeah, look, I completely agree. And, you know, our highest priority is the health and well-being of the children in our care, but also consulting with the families for what works for them and coming to, you know, a reasonable consensus on what the best way forward for uh, being able to uh, ensure that their child's sleep routine is um, adequately addressed. Yeah. And we know that services who uh, will for parents when it's a really good thing to ask when you're about to enrol your child in a service or a centre, you know, has the uh, the team done any training or, you know, in safe sleeping and settling? The two will talk about this need to go together, but um, essentially services in order to meet accreditation and standards, you know, of course have training for their education and um, their educators as part of their professional development. Yeah, look, I think that um, services definitely do require regular coaching and training when it comes to safe sleep and settling practices. And what we also find is that through the educators' knowledge of um, safe sleep practice and settling, the parents are also more likely to follow the safe sleeping practices mm. um, because what they're providing is, is consistent evidence-based information from health professionals, yeah. um, which I think is really important. And at the end of the day, parents need that assurance that their child is cared for by an experienced and knowledgeable educators who are going to understand the emotional and physical safe sleep space for them. And as we know, this is the formative years that our little ones are coming into care and parents are often a little bit nervous and a bit tentative and, you know, will I'm sure ring you up a lot throughout the day and you keep beautiful logs and tracks of, of their sleep behaviours and other, other you know, feeding, etc. that is happening for the babies and the toddlers. I think that's also vital that... Um, as you have, have said, that there's, there's regular um, updates, there's information for the parents that is shared, you know, there's wonderful fact sheets and that they, they are in these formative years. So their little brains are developing, these little infants are blossoming into toddlers who are blossoming into preschoolers and we know that there are their little brains are developing and, and they need really secure environments. And by having an environment where it is safe for them, not just physically but emotionally, we know that we are setting our little infants up well. And when it comes to sleep and settling, this is so key that our little ones are provided with that, that very um, physical but emotional place. They look to their educators and they run into the room and I'm sure they embrace you, don't they? That's correct. Absolutely. And they'll come in and out and they'll you know look for the key people and if you're having a day off and they'll go oh you know so it's really much providing that safety and security and for parents absolutely they know that they trust the setting or the childcare centre that they've they've done their homework on um, and that they believe is going to ensure that their child is sleeping safely and that their needs are going to be met and more to the point that they're setting up and establishing beautiful patterns that their child is going to sleep well at home and and you know fostering that same message as well. Okay Cindy looking at safe sleep and settling together why is it so important to ensure settling strategies are in place? Yeah, great question. And we often get asked that um, across the early years uh, by the educators as well as um, by parents. And look, quite simply, you can't have one in isolation without the other. You need to have the safe sleeping and the settling strategies together. So the safe sleeping is um, is mandatory. The six steps to safe sleeping, that is something that is always in place in our policies and it's evidence-based um, on current research and the recommended guidelines and the principles from our peak organisations. So, you know, Lullaby Trust in the UK, Red Nose here in Australia. And those evidence-based safe sleeping principles are, are research and there's reasons why we do, you know, put those 
policies um, and steps in place. So things like sleeping your baby on their back, head and face uncovered in a smoke-free environment, making sure that they are always safe in that their um, head and face is uncovered and always breastfeed. And also just ensuring that, you know, the the mattress is firm, flat and well-fitting. And those guidelines are key in knowing that um, the safety side is covered. But what we often see is that when parents are having difficulty with getting their baby to sleep or they're having trouble with the settling strategies, this is when some unsafe practices still creep in. And a big example of this is is probably the easiest to highlight is is around that developmental milestone when we shouldn't be wrapping our little ones anymore. So they've lost their morrow or their startle reflex and they're just on that around that eight to ten week mark and they're almost commencing rolling. We need to stop swaddling or wrapping our babies and we need to have their arms out. And this is a key when parents are going, oh, I'm really worried and I don't think they're going to sleep anymore so I'm going to keep wrapping them and I know that it's probably a bit risky. It absolutely is. And we know that this is key, that they don't keep wrapping their um, their little ones. So here, when you've got the settling strategies, and again, in the early years, setting with our educators are able to say, that's okay. We know we can't wrap your child anymore. We need to take their arms out. We need to move them to a wearable, safe sleeping bag with arms out. But we as educators, we're going to show you how to do that. We're just not going to leave you there knowing you have to take their arms out and not show you the steps to settling. So we will help you. We will work with you. It'll take a few days, you know, set their expectation. And working with parents so we're all on the one page, the little babies and the toddlers, they don't get this mixed message. They hate mixed messages. So it ensures that unsafe practices don't occur. So this is why it's vital to embed in in training programs, not only the safe sleeping, but also the settling strategies. And remarkably, and Natasha, you'd probably hear from parents as well, that, you know, they do see quite a turnaround in the sleep practices from, from having the advice from the educators who've done training. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think with the policy that you have, like um, in centres, we we always have a sleep and rest policy and this must be always up to date and it um, needs to be displayed for parents to see as well. So a sleep and rest policy is um, required and should be in place in all settings, in all childcare settings. And this is so if you're a parent, you can walk in and say, I would like to see the policy and how are you actually going to um, ensure my child is not only sleeping safely and that you're meeting all those evidence-based, you know, requirements of having my baby on their back and not smoke, you know, and non-smoking and all those other um, essential six steps to safe sleeping. But I also want to know how you're going to help them settle to sleep when we get into these um, unsafe situations. So it's a duty of care that our educators have to ensure that children are provided with that really high level of safety when sleeping and resting. And this goes goes right across from the parents uh, from the infants rather sorry to all the way through to the preschool and making sure that it is across all those environments it doesn't just stop in infancy our policy sleep and rest covers us all the way through and you know that as educators every reasonable precaution has been taken to protect um, every infant who's very um, unique, every toddler, every preschooler from any harm or hazard. And and our educators are 
spend a lot of time ensuring that they are not only well trained but that the environment is safe you know I I know they start early they work late they make sure that their environments are set correctly so that each and every day um, all the babies and children can come into care and that they are really um, being well well cared for and that they're able to fulfill their roles effectively um, around the sleep and rest policy but I think um, also what often might happen is for educators often a family might say um, you know perhaps a, a, they've been given some sort of advice and it may well be from medical that they they don't want to have their child sleep in that particular way uh, I'll give an example and it might be um, I really want my child to sleep on their side we know babies should not sleep on their tummy or side every child or every baby toddler needs to be put to bed on their back and, and slept on their back but if a parent is in asking for that then we really need to have our policy and you know as um, directors of centres like you, Natasha, you would go over this time and time with parents and saying we need to ensure that they understand that this is stepping outside of our policy and what we need to do here is for the centre ensure that we are following our guidelines because we know this is evidence-based and the safest practice. However, if that's the case, you know, the parent might have to provide some, some information. Yeah, a and medical clearance or something from, from a health professional to, to state that this is what... Um, needs to be done and I guess it's just that understanding that we will follow that however it is against our practice and our policies and all the evidence um, based material that we refer to within our policies and procedures. So so perhaps when parents um, also have conversations and understand you know the reasons why we, we follow the policy and why we have certain things in there like you know amber beads is a big one we'll talk about in a moment you know we mm -hmm. don't want babies or toddlers sleeping with amber beads on you know what do we do with with infants um, who have reflux well in actual fact sleeping them on their back is the safest position we would never sleep a baby on their tummy or their side so I think having being able to have those wonderful conversations communicating certainly in a position of education and training but with respect for the parents both cultural needs and also understanding where they've come from being able to have that um great conversation to change practices but all for the better and certainly as we always want with that little beautiful infant and toddler in mind the outcome is the best for them uh, in that space. Um, and I think when you have those conversations with families and then the families are, are starting to create that bond and that secure and trusting relationship with you so they are more inclined to you know understand or let go of perhaps a practice that they have been doing and sort of willing to sort of negotiate in a way for the best outcome for their child as well which is what what we want too. Totally and I think that that's so key that um, parents they absolutely trust as they will with the with the educators in their position of knowledge and training but also that you've got to know their child and and that you're passing on information together you really are having that communication and it becomes really that great circle around the child and we talk about this as being our circle of security concept that we use in in our care with our little ones in that we want to foster that so little ones need to be guided and you know um, the concept of circle of security which is an international based attachment theory is a fantastic practice that has been implemented and certainly we embed that in our training is to ensure that every baby, every toddler, every child is feeling safe and secure and you know we are their hands and guiding them but we also are the safe haven for them to come back to and when our little ones come into care and certainly for the parents they look for that circle, we're all part of that circle 
the parents, the carers, the beautiful educators working as a team, all for the best for our little ones. And I think really perhaps the sleep struggles that you'd see on a day-to-day basis, Natasha, across your services would probably be seen pretty much worldwide. So what sort of things do you see most regularly? And probably there might be some, some ones that are, you know, come and go a little bit. You know, we often see some practices or some situations arising where children are put to bed in a certain way? Yeah, look, there are quite a few um, things that we do see when we, we we do have to deal with quite quick, quickly. And, you know, I think wrapping beyond the baby's age development is, is a big one, particularly from different cultural perspectives as mm. well. So mm. when we start considering the cultural backgrounds mm. of our families mm. and, you know, what is a practice um, yeah, that is respect, done within yeah. that culture, it's also about, you know, having those respectful conversations with the families. But that's definitely one of them. Toys and comforters are um, a really big thing at the moment and you know quite large blankets that children need as a Mm. security which Mm. often does actually impose on the face and they do feel the need to be covered with a blanket over the face that's something that we see quite regularly Mm. a provision for pillows as well so pillows are a a common one amber beads is something that we've seen more and more over the past few years um, as being for the for the teething and obviously families wanting to utilize the amber beads so that's been one really common one recently I think another one is also uh, waking the children after a short period so that's something that sometimes through sleep schools or certain requirements or just babies not sleeping at all so or on their side or stomach so they're definitely common ones that we do see. And I think with these some of these many common issues and again you know we always say uh, ourselves as child health nurses and yourselves as educators that again you know parents are only really trying really really hard and very well meaning for their infants and toddlers to have them sleep and settle and sometimes they go to great lengths you know uh, we see lots of different ways of of little ones going to settle to sleep and then they might bring those into care so that that probably becomes where the big blanket comes in or the big soft toy which is not allowed of course yes and perhaps one of the ones we see is they've become very reliant on sleeping in a pram or a car seat and Mm. we know that this is not safe prams and car seats are not for sleeping and that's that's essential because with a little one um, and it's around the safe sleeping is is that they they get into that C position with that chin on their chest, and that basically occludes or can occlude their airway. And so a baby or a toddler should never be left to sleep in a pram or or a car seat, or they've gone to sleep in the car coming to care. And can you leave them in the car seat? Well, again, this is why and what's reflected in our policies um, that we can't, we do not allow this to happen. But generally, we don't find you know parents are, are very informed and knowledgeable and trusting, of course, with their relationships with the educators. So simply by having the conversation to explain why that's unsafe, like that's a C position for your child, we put your chin on your chest and see if you can breathe and not in a, you know, in a difficult way, but just to help them understand what their little one is going through. And Amber B is is often around and we know that that can lead to, to unfortunately, um, little ones getting themselves caught up. So one of the ways that a little one, especially a, a toddler, will get themselves off to sleep, and you'll you'll often see this is is that they love to twirl their hair, 
And so when they twirl their hair, and they might even be twirling mum's hair if she's been breastfeeding or perhaps dad's hair if, you know, if they're being cuddled. Or And so when a toddler will often twirl hair and they're doing this themselves, they can easily get their hand caught up in their necklace, which is the amber beads, and then it twists and it unfortunately can lead to strangulation. So this is exactly the reasons why we really can't have any amber beads on whilst they're sleeping and it's imperative that they be taken off. But explain to the parents that, you know, I'm sure if they understood as well and they they, they knew that they wouldn't also be doing this as well. No no parent wants to put their child through any harm as well. I feel the, uh, the issue around the short periods of sleep or waking them after a short nap is often um, something that when we guide our parents through the cycles and through the sleep cycles, they do understand that like if a toddler, for example, has a 60-minute sleep cycle and you wake them at 30 minutes, they are essentially right in the middle of that deep sleep. And, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't know how do you feel when you're woken in a deep sleep like your alarm. Not a great feeling. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, we're all then wake up a bit overtired and for me it's like, oh, it takes me a moment or two. And like for toddlers, it's exactly the same. They, they're going to wake up cranky and then, of course, they won't eat, they won't, you know, feed, they won't behave very well and then we, you know, the, the whole day unravels then. So we understand too and from our evidence-based um, you know, research around settling that sleep promotes sleep. So if a, cho- if a toddler, um, certainly infants, you know, they need sleep, it will promote sleep. So if they don't get the sleep or perhaps they don't get a sleep at all, as yes. might be requested, then they're really overtired by the end of the day. And overtired babies and toddlers are not a really good picture. And the parent is picking up an overtired toddler or infant and, you know, then they've got them all night. And most likely what we, we see then is is that because they've never developed into really good sleep cycles, that little one will wake quite frequently overnight. And so we need to help our parents and certainly help and understand that, that that's exactly why they, you know, they, they really do need sleep if they are promoted with sleep. And we'll talk about the preschooler as well um, a little later in our podcast series, but uh, definitely for preschoolers, we also need to offer them that opportunity to, to rest. They might not sleep, but certainly as well. So, Cindy, what education and training does an educator require to respond to these sleep challenges? Yeah, all educators um, uh, who work within infants and toddlers and preschoolers all have a, a great knowledge uh, across the board from their their training themselves. But when it comes to safe sleeping and settling, it often is required certainly annually to be updated. There are things that change, you know, so making sure that they're across what is the risks or is there anything new evidence-based or research around SUDI and SIDS and what the the actual um, centre itself or the family daycare setting, you know, are, are they compliant with their safe sleeping guidelines? And our regulatory bodies around Australia, across the world, ensure that we do meet um, these compliance and these standards, but it's also very, very essential that educators have some training and they feel comfortable with that training, that if there are knowledge gaps, certainly directors do identify that and ensure are they given the right tools, you know, making sure that their ratios are met, is there is there additional staff required and how, how do you actually then you know, step into place the the settling strategies in the most way. Working with your team as well is vital so that they, they're all on the same page as well. But I think when it comes to the, the most common parental concerns, as N- Natasha's pointed out, 
educators working really well, as they do, but working with families and having the conversations, looking at exploring tired signs, pointing them out, you know, even saying, well, we noticed today that, you know, your little one was showing tired signs a lot earlier. Did they go to bed a bit late last night or was there something going on? And more often than not, you solve it together. Yeah, someone's come to visit or we've just moved house or there's a reason why this is happening or there might be something else happening like the parent is noticing, you know, toddler nightmares or terrors and there could be some issues that they need to to discuss. And they love to have the conversations because often they're very busy, they up, they go, they're off at work, they might be leading a very stressful time and they really do need some guidance and, and nurturing as well. And I feel in our early years settings, that's what we provide. It's just, it's safety, it's sleep and it's settling training, but it's also providing that nurturing environment, that relationship for the parent is absolutely key. And so Tash, I think, um, what, what would your major top four tips I guess for parents be if they if they came to you and they're concerned about their little ones um their sleep pattern yeah so just before I answer that question I might just I just wanted to basically um just agree with you in in response to the education and training that we do have within our services and I think it's really important um to focus on safe sleep because it does change Mm. and what I noticed in practice was there are there were a few elements within um the red nose thing that had changed with the amber beads um, Mm. in particular where educators weren't as informed and you know we did review our policies and procedures so just having that link with red nose but also with with safe sleep as well our services were able to access current information evidence-based information Mm. and the program that we that we embarked on in 2019 for the entire year was to actually train up all team members not just in the nursery room Mm. all across all our age groups and we just found that the sleep smart training was online it was easy to Mm. access for the educators and they just really learnt how to have those conversations with families to provide them with the knowledge and all the information um, in response to sleep. So I found the confidence grew uh, amongst the group to be able to have those conversations and, and families also then building that trust within with the educators and willing to let go of certain practices that they've had at home. So I really think it's quite important um, to, you know, for the relationships with our families and the children, we need to be current in our knowledge with that. So that's been a wonderful program that we've had 2019 and 20. Yeah, and I think, um, Tash, what uh, feedback generally, you know, for educators is is often some of the challenges that they get, that they see, uh, issues that they're not necessarily receiving training from in their in their standard, you know, courses. And that, that seems like, how do you settle four children at once? I mean, how does anyone do that? You're not an octopus and That's you don't right. have lots of hands <laughs> to pat these children. So, you know, parts of um, our training, but certainly what Educators need to be able to have that capacity, but that confidence and that knowledge that, you know, they position their babies in their cots in a room and set it out in a way that they can be in the centre of the of the children or that the toddler beds are around them. They've prepared the children for sleep really well. And, you know, one of the strategies that we use in our training is really quite simple, is in that instead of an educator cannot pat, you know, nor do we want them to pat like a an octopus or, mm. you know, but a child often has come from a world of patting and if they've been used to that, they need to have that moved out slowly and surely and one of the ways is if the educator has four cots around them or you know if their ratios are one to four in the toddler rooms perhaps one to five is you simply put yourself in the middle of the room and you pat your knee and because if you pat your knee and you go you know and 
all those four babies around you will actually hear and they respond and you can eye contact the ones that you need and if one of them is reaching out and crying a little more you can put put your arm through and 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 attend those needs so again parents can be really reassured that their child is being very very well cared for settings around our sleep and settling so and how about those four tips yeah so the four tips I think the number one thing is communication so talking with your centre director the room leader and the team to help them understand what you may be used to at home and what challenges you're currently facing when it comes to sleep between the home and the childcare environment. The best time for this is usually at orientation. So, you know, asking those questions, Mm. asking about the sleep practices and, you know, what having a look at the policy as well and, you know, working on a sleep plan for your for your particular child. Mm. So just letting your director know if your baby is unwell or if there has been a change in, change in circumstance, um, it's always good to just keep the communication lines open to inform them so that we can cater for that child on a day-to-day basis. So mm. it's not always it. yeah. the, you know, the same sleeping strategy every day. There may be changes as well and we want to work with the children on that too. Another tip would be give it time and I think that that's probably really, really important. Each infant and toddler has a unique personality and their temperament temperament change from, you know, day to day as well. So, you know, some babies and toddlers are great at quickly adapting to new settings and new people, new schedules. Others, however, you know, they have a harder time dealing Mm. with change. Mm. And, you know, that's why it's really important with these particular children to be consistent and, you know, work with your child's educators to build as much consistency as possible between home and the child sleep environment. Yeah, I think that's key because often it's, um, we want, we, we were always in a little bit of a rush, we yeah. want things to change. Of course we do. We all want to get sleep. And so we want our little ones not to, you know, be tired and grumpy. So I feel, yeah, it's one of the things we see is just allow that time. Change does take time. Yeah. And, and, and you know, being proactive in setting a a daily ritual or a rhythm at home. Yeah. Um, and that way, if you're prepared, you know, if, you, if, it's your, if you're embarking on childcare for the first time, being proactive to be able to actually have a little routine or rhythm with your child. And then, you know, it'll it'll aid in the smooth transition into childcare as well. Another thing that I think is really important is also remaining current and, you know, researching. There's so much information out there, you know, within Red Nose, Safe Sleep, just to ensure that you're not actually developing habits that don't align with Safe Sleep. So breaking down those habits prior to starting childcare will actually make the experience um, easier and a smoother transition. Another thing we've actually done uh, within our petite services is our communication books for our nursery children. We've actually played the the safe sleep steps and the guidelines within our communication book. So it's a quick access for families to be able to refer to as well, especially if they're a new family, they can read through that just to have a bit of an idea. So it's a good bit of information for them as well as a handy reminder. Some final advice when it comes to our little ones and toddlers in in care and and helping you as parents and managing any issues or concerns the key is is that you know know that babies and children all have different needs and you know their sleep will vary from time to time as Natasha said so it's vital that we communicate and provide that that opportunity for sleep and rest and a very safe but a very calming and a very emotionally safe environment for our babies and toddlers We have a responsibility when we have our children in our care, we have a duty of care to make sure that we have guidelines and practices in place and that we have current um, safe sleep and settling. Marrying those strategies with the safe sleeping is imperative. One does not really work without the other and this is where things become unstuck. And I think for parents, be kind to yourself. It's not easy bringing a child into care. I remember when I first brought my little ones into care, I would go back to work and I'd be like, oh, I've just got to ring five times to make sure he's settled. 
he had settled in no problem. He might have been crying when I left and I was worried then, but know that our educators are there, absolutely. They have that trust, they have that um, rapport with your little ones and, and very soon it becomes such an enriching environment for your little one and we want um, the space for sleep and rest to be so, so beneficial for them. And really, just look out for information for yourselves that you may need. Go to your educators. They are so well trained and look for other information and advice. And Natasha, any final advice for educators or teachers listening? Well, I guess the main point would be to become familiar with your sleep and rest relaxation policies within your service. And, you know, go back to that regularly. If you're not sure about something, reread the policy, go to your centre director, talk to your educational team and have those professional discussions around the safe sleep settling and, and processes. We might find that, you know, a specific educator may be just amazing at settling children or, mm. you know, identifies the signs of, you know, a tired child. So utilise your team. And I think mm. it's really important within our sector that we don't all have the answers mm. and it's not essentially a strength that we all have. So mm. utilising and building the capacity of your team is really important. And I guess, you know, the other thing is to communicate confidently with families. So the knowledge and skills that you do have, you know, communicate that effectively with your families and, and show them that, you know, you, you are wanting to protect their child for, from harm and hazard. And I think that's really key because, you know, that's how we develop those secure and trusting relationships with the children. And I guess the other thing is just providing those families with the information and the guidance. So, you know, if you're having a conversation with and you feel like you're actually not able to get through to them or they don't understand providing them with a tip sheet or mm. some research just to back what you are saying it just it's a great tool for the family to also have and just getting that general understanding and if listeners Natasha wanted to find out more about your centers where is the best place for them to go so you can definitely find find us um, online so our petite early learning journey website you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Fantastic. Yeah. And parents can pop into centres too and see you if, if, if they'd like as well. Yeah. And Cindy, if someone is interested in your sleep programs, how do they find out more? Yeah, so our Sleep Smart training programs have been developed and designed for the educators themselves. Um, so simply just have a look at Sleep Smart on the website. And for parents, we have lots of strategies in our app called Rockabub or on our Nourish Baby site and our Safe Sleep Space. But yeah, send us a message. We're always welcome to speak with anybody. We have uh, our trained clinicians and, and we really just want parents to enjoy the experience of sleep and certainly in the education and care settings. Cindy and Natasha, thank you very much for joining us on For Sleep's Sake. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. For Sleep's Sake is brought to you by Nourish Baby, Safe Sleep Space and Sleep Smart.